It's time for Monday Night Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Featuring the News Gazette media sports writers, Matt Daniels, Bob Osmussen, and Scott Ritchie. Delivering the latest insights on the Illini and more. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are the News Gazette media sports writers and your host, Steve Kelly. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Monday Night Sports Talk with you until the 6 o'clock hour tonight. The phone line is open, 356 9397. Pat Daniels is in the house, as is Scott Ritchie. Bob Osmussen will join us on the telephone. Matthew, plenty to talk about uh, this evening. By the way, Doug Altenberger will join us at 5.30 to talk some Illinois basketball. More honors today for Io DeSumo. Some late-breaking schedule <laughs> changes in the last uh, few minutes. Has a couple of more games added to the Illinois schedule, and uh, we'll see how it goes. But the, the uh, Nebraska game will be Friday night, 8 o'clock, your favorite start time, in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm just glad they're playing games. Uh, I know I've complained vociferously in the past about late-night tips, and Scott can carry that mantle now since he has to do the bulk of the writing, although I think we got really good with uh, last Tuesday night's marathon game in Bloomington, Indiana that ended 10 minutes before our print deadline, so that was a fun experience that I hope to not go through until Friday night now. Well, I was thinking about you guys during that, especially <laughs> with the, the pace of the game and all the stoppages and... The number of time whoever was running the clock forgot right. how to run the clock. <laughs> and then, on top of that, overtime. Yeah, that was, I mean... I mean, I think fun for Illinois fans that were watching another win. Uh, I had less fun. <laughs> but you did a good job. You got, you got more in there than I thought you would. It's always fun uh, to go back through my text messages a couple days after the fact when Scott's on dead – or when Illinois is playing a late night – or even any game. Scott and I communicate frequently. And uh, the enduring theme for him in terms of late night tips, and this was true when – they played the bragging rights game down in Columbia in, in mid-December. Any late-night tip, and Scott will text me later and goes, I have no idea what I just wrote, but hopefully it <laughs> makes sense. That's true. I mean, within 30 seconds of sending the email of my <laughs> game story to Matt, like I, was, I could not remember a single word that I'd written about that game just because it sort of just blacked out. And Well, it wasn't one of those games where you could get a head start on it, really, because it wasn't a, a blowout game one way or the other. It went to overtime, so it had some, some changes in it and not the easiest thing to get done. In our pre-production meeting <laughs> uh, today, Scott and I, we had a pre-production meeting. You, Matt was absent and uh, Bob was not here either, but we were talking about the basketball schedule and what's taking the Big Ten so long to uh, to come up with something. Well, they came up with something. <laughs> and uh, so Illinois will play at Nebraska Friday night, then at Michigan State on Tuesday the 23rd. And the uh, Nebraska game, which was scheduled for Wednesday the 24th, will allegedly be made up at the end of the season. Yeah, sometime to, still to be determined between March 2nd and March 4th, which, after you know, seeing some tweets from one of my Big Ten colleagues that covers Michigan, would leave a window to reschedule what should have been this week's Michigan game, perhaps on March 1st. Um, so we'll see. But th th 
that's the only game on Illinois schedule that has had been postponed that's now does not have uh, a new date. We've got the phone line open three five six nine three nine seven. Got a call from Washington D.C. John is with us. Hey, John, what's on your mind today? Well, th- this fits in with the discussion because in terms of the Big Ten standings and the regular season, which would then lead into the tournament, if the Big Ten does not make up the games and you wind up with teams with uh, not having played the same number of games, has the Big Ten made a comment about what they're going to do in relation to that situation and how will that feed into the selection for the 67 for the NCAA tournament? Well, the answer to your first question is no. The Big Ten hasn't said how they're going to handle you know, crowning a Big Ten champion if uh, all of the the schedules are uneven and teams don't play the same number of games. I imagine at some point they'll maybe tell us, but uh, there's still a month of the season left for them to figure <laughs> that out. Um, and answer your second question, that it really won't affect NCAA tournament at all. I mean, they've changed the, the guidelines, sort of the – the requirements for that uh, teams only had to play 13 total games this this season to qualify for the NCAA tournament. Mm. So uh, the selection process will be, I can only imagine will be a little bit different this year because the season is quite a bit different than any normal season. And uh, I don't, I mean, in Illinois is right now a lock for the NCAA tournament, right? Um, looking at a, Number two seed yeah. probably at the moment, but you know a number one seed is uh, certainly not out of the question right now. Okay, if they had played the Michigan game, who who do you think would have won? Well, considering Michigan hadn't played any basketball in two weeks, and uh, I mean uh, their women's team is going to play Thursday, their men's team apparently can't. But uh, I, I would have picked Illinois. I mean Illinois is on a roll; they've won four in a row, eight of the last ten. True. There's that whole two-week gap for Michigan without playing a game, and we've seen across the Big Ten teams coming off of a COVID pause that are a little rusty. So I think Illinois would have been, I don't know if they would have been favored in, in terms of the the money line, the, the, the betting. Probably not on the road they wouldn't be. But uh, I would have taken them for sure. Well, that's one thing about it is that they seem to be building momentum, and hopefully that carries through to the NCAA tournament because they, they could make a run. Okay, John, thanks. We appreciate uh, the call. 356-9397 is the number if you'd like to join us. Bob Osmussen is on that line, but we've got other lines as well. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing good. I'll bet you guys. We're hanging in there. Io DeSumo, after that triple-double, named the Big Ten Player of the Week and the National Naismith Trophy Player of the Week. Well-deserved, I think, Scott. Uh, one of the better, if not the best. I haven't really thought too much about it, but I've seen a lot of Pretty good uh, individual efforts over the years, but uh, that one ranks right up there with the best I've seen. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he had a not only did he have a triple double, but he had 21 points and 12 rebounds, right. 12 assists, and he did it against a top 25 team. Um, that's pretty good. I was sort of wondering though um, if you know Io and Kofi Coburn might not have split the Big Ten Player of the Week award because uh, Kofi was just as good against Wisconsin, had 23 points and 14 rebounds. You know, for his 13th, which is leading the nation, double-double. Uh, and uh, eight uh, pretty good dunks. Yeah, and then he was also better than Io was in the Indiana game. Io mm-hmm. had 10.6 rebounds, fouled out for the first time in his career. So, I mean, when there's 54 total fouls, some people are going to foul out. But uh, Kofi ended up with 
you know, double double in that game as well. So not surprised Iowa won it, but I thought maybe Kofi would get a little maybe get a co Big Ten Player of the Week award there. And the rest of the AP Associated Press top twenty five pollsters took your lead today and picked Illinois sixth. Yeah, that's where I had Illinois and where I sort of assumed they were going to land. I mean, trying to figure out where Illinois is going to be in the top 25 on a week-to-week basis is tough because they there's always a wide disparity of where they land on some ballots. But uh, yeah, back in the top 10 for the first time since early December, so about two months, and uh, trending yeah, upward at least. Not playing hasn't hurt Michigan. <laughs> they actually went up a spot to number three. So the Big Ten has three of the top six in the AP poll, Matt, and seven totally in the uh, top 25. Yeah, that just kind of shows the overall uh, overall strength of, of the league and uh, curious that Michigan moved up to number three considering they haven't played in quite some time. But uh, that's the beauty of the AP poll, and uh, the Illini are certainly worthy after uh, after their week. Uh, it's, it's interesting how you can go from last Tuesday night to Indiana where they seem to be on the verge of losing a game they shouldn't have lost, and then they – they edge out and earn a win there and, uh, you know, a, a hard-fought win, win, a win that in the moment feels bigger than it maybe should just because if you come March and they end up losing that game to Indiana, that's one that you can mark in the, the bad loss column in, in terms of their NCAA tournament resume. And just the way they they really just manhandled Wisconsin on, on Saturday. And uh, I know a lot was made last year of them going up to the Kohl Center and winning in Madison for the first time in quite some time. But... Wisconsin had Illinois' number here in Champaign, too, and they ended a lengthy losing streak to Wisconsin at State Farm Center. And uh, just the way that Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn dominated, I think, combined with the fact of how Illinois won the game against Indiana with DeSumo, arguably their best player and quite possibly the best player in the Big Ten this year, not having his best game, I think, kind of showed that this team has multiple options to go to and and can win games in in multiple different ways, and that's something we've seen play out throughout the entire season. And you can make a case that um, Illinois could very well have. I don't think it'll happen because it doesn't happen very often that you get two guys from the same team on the first team All-America team, but you've got two guys certainly in consideration there, Scott. Yeah, I mean, Iowa's been in that conversation since before the season started. I mean, he was a preseason first-team All-American. Kofi has played his way. You know, onto that list, and I mean, I don't know that he'll necessarily be a first-team All-American, but he will be on one of the three mm-hmm. All-American teams. And if he's not, then um, something wrong happened. And I mean, I have a vote, and if I had to vote now, he'd be somewhere in that mix of the top fifteen players in the country because he's playing like it. I think you might have trouble picking the Big Ten Player of the Year now <laughs> because everybody thought. You know, the guy that won it last year is going to win it again, and he's kind of come back to earth, as have the Hawkeyes. And Fran McCaffrey's not happy. <laughs> well, I mean, happy? to be fair, he's <laughs> never happy, but he seems oh, even more just yeah. angry, despondent. I mean, his team has lost four or five. And, I mean, you mentioned you know, Luka Garza is sort of like a foregone conclusion. He was going to be Big Ten Player of the Year, right. National Player of the Year even. Um, but he's been borderline human in this stretch for for Iowa. I mean, Illinois held them below 20 points, which was not something easily done, but then Ohio State and Indiana did it as well last week. So uh, he has played his way out of maybe a a unanimous pick there, and I think Iowa DeSumo has just as good a case 
for Big Ten Player of the Year right now as Luke Garza. More basketball talk coming up. Again, the phone line is open if you'd like to join us, 356-9397. Bob, you watched the Super Bowl, I'm sure. Let's get your take on how things went. Is Did they go the way you thought they might? Oh, no, I got the worst pick ever. I made the worst <laughs> prediction in the history, and I make a lot of bad ones. This was way worse. I think I picked 55-17 when with the Chiefs. I was a little off, only off by like 80 points, but <laughs> okay, it happened. But, yeah, there was, there was, but I was – obviously, once the game started, it was clear the Chiefs weren't right, and Brady was fine and better than ever, and he'll win next year. He'll probably win the next five. I mean, the guy's not – he's literally – there's literally nobody like him. And so I think yesterday I kept saying Gretzky was the greatest all-time athlete in any sport in terms of dominance. I think I think Brady is now first. I think he's the best in any sport. That's just sickening now what he did. And I don't like him normally, but I'd say I respect somebody not very far from my age doing what he did. We're, we're like almost cousins' age, you know, almost like twins, you know. Well, you got to tip your hat to him, and he had a lot of help. The their running game, their offensive line, their defense—they just won the line of scrimmage in that game, Matt. Yeah, they're. I think what's overshadowed a lot just because of the the brilliance of of Tom Brady and the the historic accomplishments that he he manufactured in his first season in, in Tampa Bay is just how stout the Buccaneers' defense was. I mean, they made Patrick Mahomes look human for the large chunk of that game last night, and. Well, there's a stat that Mahomes covered, I think, almost 500 yards just running <laughs> throughout the entire running game. The wrong way exactly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, all this talk leading into Sunday night's Super Bowl was the fact that Mahomes was kind of destined to be that next great quarterback. And he still may be. He's only 25 years old. If Tom Brady has uh, proven anything, that age is, age is not a number. But just the the way that he kind of galvanized his teammates and, and the collection of talent that they brought together in Tampa Bay, I mean, all all the guys that scored their touchdowns last night, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, they've all been standout players in their own rights, but all for different teams. They weren't on Tampa Bay's roster until 10 months ago, and the one common denominator throughout all that is Tom Brady, and, and he's the one that kind of melded this group into the, the championship team, and <clears throat> just a, just an amazing uh, athletic accomplishment, and you just have to wonder, you know, you don't doubt him ever again. I mean, he goes down to Tampa Bay, a team that – had struggled mightily for a better part of a decade and, and leads him to a Super Bowl in his first season. So who's to say that he can't do that again next year or the year after that? Let's talk a little Illinois football for a couple of minutes. Uh, the football coaches, Brett Bielma and staff, were hitting the telephones today. They're going to call every <laughs> high school coach in the uh, state of Illinois. That'll be interesting to see how that goes. What else are you hearing, Bob, uh, football-wise? Are you getting any feel for the interest as far as – you know, season tickets, my God, I think it'd be a while before they sell any individual game tickets, if they do at all. But are you getting any feel for season ticket interest? I'm so glad you brought that up. So I, I'm, I'm calling out to all the Illinois fans that are season ticket holders. Please email me. My my email is ospison at news, news-gazette.com. I'm going to write a story later in the week about where they are, what they're doing. So I want to talk to a couple. I might, might not get back to everybody but if you just email me your number, I'll call, give you a call the next day or two. But I'd like to talk to people. I, I don't think we know what's going to happen this day. But I assume it seems like we're pointing toward having fans at the stand in some, some way, shape, or form. Uh, I, I talked to several FCS schools today and yesterday, 
they're going to have some fans for they, their games in the spring. So I assume by the time we get to, get around the fall, there'll be there'll be people in seats. The question is how many. So, uh, but I want to see if we, what people are thinking. I mean, hopefully it moves toward by the end of you know maybe later in the season, you know October November, maybe the place can be full for goodness sakes. I mean, we'll see. Kind of depends on how fast everybody gets the vaccine. But I need the vaccine first for before I think about sitting in the stands. Well, there's so many more things to consider. A lot of times when in a coaching change in normal times, you're thinking, well, you know, a lot of fans jumped off the Illini bandwagon. I wonder if they'll jump back on with what they hear from the, the coaching staff. But on top of that is the safety of all of it. Well, yeah, I mean, you think back to the last, the last coaching change that uh, Illinois had and after the 2015 season and uh, attendance was paltry, to, to say the uh, best case scenario for the Illini that season. And then... Lovey Smith's second game in charge in 2016. It was a sellout crowd uh, against North Carolina. Now that was also band night at Memorial Stadium where they can fill the east side of the stadium. But still, there was a huge turnout for that game. And yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting to see what that would be like for Brett Bielema's first season in 2021. But there's so many other factors that, uh, you know, outweigh it. And, uh, you know, I know the Big Ten released the revised schedule last Friday to much you know, Ballyhoo, which really didn't amount to a whole heck of a lot, especially for Illinois' sake. I know they kind of flipped a few dates, like two dates changed. Obviously, the big takeaway from that schedule is the game against Nebraska is somehow still on in Dublin, although I'd be no. doubtful. I'd be absolutely no. stunned if that no game way. happened. No At 52748. <laughs> there is no way in hell that game is playing. <laughs> game I mean, literally, there's no way that game. I don't know why they don't. I, I guess they want that hope out there, but there's no way that game can be played. You can't go to that part of the country, part of the world right now. So there's just no way. So I thought I, I thought the, that might have been the one thing we would have learned from the uh, Big Ten yeah. special telecast there of the <laughs> schedule. Some of the other teams, there were some some changes and and such, but uh, really didn't learn much about Illinois football. And I th- I really thought that. That might be the case there. Yeah, I mean, the the way the schedule's set out now is they're supposed to open with Nebraska and uh, shameless plug. You can listen to episode six of Inside Atlanta Football on uh, Apple Podcasts and at newsgazette.com where Colin Likas and I talked about this Nebraska game. And I'm of the opinion, I know, Bob, you've kind of talked to some people and you wrote about this a little bit in, in the sense that you're hearing that Nebraska game, if it is in Champaign instead of Dublin, which all indications look like it's going to be in Champaign by just using common sense, that that game may be bumped back later in the schedule, but I'm of the opinion that, heck, have that game, keep the same date, August 28th, all the attention in college football will be geared towards the Illini and, and Nebraska because that would be the marquee game uh, for that point in, in the calendar at all. Well, Steve and I talked about this. Nebraska does not want to move that game. Mm-hmm. They, they, I, that they want to play them because – They've got this later game. They don't want to move against Southeast Louisiana or something like that, but they don't want to move that. They're they're all good with us. So I think that maybe when Nebraska got such, such a, I don't want to say a bad deal, but they got a rough schedule last year, let's be fair. And I, maybe the Big Ten will say, eh, let's give you a break. And Well, I think this might be NCAA decision, actually. They're going to have to get it to play that game on the week zero. They're going to have to ask somebody. Somebody's going to say yes. You can play that game and not have a count and not have to play it later in the year. So somebody's going to have to give them permission to move that game back to the United States 
and still play it on that day. I think it'd be great for, for Illinois and for Nebraska to play that game with it is because they get, like you said, Matt, they get a whole, you know, the game, they're the only game in town. So that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be, be week zero. They'd have the, uh, the national TV audience. And, and uh, I did think earlier that moving it to one of the bye weeks was probably what might happen, but I'm, I'm back going the other way this time. I think they ought to keep it on August 28th. Well, you just think, too, from an, uh, from the Illinois perspective, you can create all this buzz and, and attention geared toward Brett Beal in his first game in charge at Illinois. Mm-hmm. And, and like Bob mentioned, you'd have to think there's going to be some sort of crowd in attendance at Memorial Stadium. I mean, God, let's hope so, six and a half months from now, that there are fans actually in the stands at Memorial Stadium that aren't related to the players and there's not there's more humans there than cardboard cutouts. But it just seems to make sense to have that game, if it is in Champaign, just have all the attention placed on that game early in the season and then it generates a, a lot of buzz around the Atlanta football program. 531, need to take a break here on Monday Night Sports Talk. We'll do that. The phone line open, 356-9397 if you'd like to join us. Doug Altenberger will join us after the break. Stay with us. We're back in just a moment. We're moving up on 535. Monday Night Sports Talk here on DWS. Steve Kelly with Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie, Bob Osmussen, the sports writers of the uh, News Gazette. Also welcome to the show, Doug Altenberger, a member of our Illinois broadcast team for basketball. Doug was in town for the ball game against, um, who they play the other day? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. The Badgers. <laughs> <laughs> Those pesky Badgers. And uh, you saw a pretty good uh, outing there from Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn, uh, Dougie, what are your thoughts on that triple-double? You don't see many of those in college basketball. No, no, you don't. Uh, you know, we've only had three of them, uh, of which I thought was interesting, two, two of which were from uh, Peoria guys. Right. And, uh, and um, But, yeah, no, he what, – what the way I look at it, um, this happened maybe about three weeks ago um, when they had that little team meeting, and I, I, um, I feel like I owe – um, can do so much on the floor. He can score at will uh, to some extent, but that's not going to get you a win in ball games necessarily all the time. And I think when he gets his uh, teammates involved, which uh, he can because he he could play the point as well as anybody. Uh, and he's kicking the ball to Trent and he's throwing the lob to Kofi and uh, you know it just everything starts to uh, the ball starts to move as Brad likes to say. And they're getting downhill, and uh, you know, with that, with Kofi rolling to the basket hard. A lot of times, big guys will set screens, but when they roll to the basket, set that screen and and create, uh, you know, uh, uh, mismatches. Uh, then the guys have got to help out, and a lot of times teams run that where on the weak side you've got a shooter like Trent Frazier or Miller. So if they get, his guy helps out on Kofi going to the basket, then he's open for that three pointer. Or what they'll do is they'll 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 get the ball and they'll wait for Kofi to post up because he's got the guy on his hip. That kind of offense is is everybody runs it in college basketball, but uh, against the Badgers, we ran it to you know a T. I mean, we were just so efficient, and it was good, it was good to good to watch. And our defense uh, is is getting back to where it should be. Where our, uh, Brad talked about it in the post game, our on ball defense has improved dramatically. So we're going in the right direction, and we beat a really good Wisconsin team. But, 
man, we, we took them to the uh, – I mean, we whipped them pretty good on the boards as well. It was a, it was a good win for, for the Illini. Speaking of the postgame conversation, uh, you and Brian Barnhart normally ask the questions of the coach, but I kind of like the one he asked you about the eight dunks in a game. Did you have that many dunks in your career? <laughs> yeah, yeah it was, we had a good time on the postgame. Uh, you know, we we uh, we were counting the, the number of dunks that uh, Kofi had, and, and uh, I had him up to eight. And um, so we we were commenting about that. Brad gave me a little, just giving me a hard time um, about how many dunks I had in my whole career. I, I only had a few, and uh, <laughs> I didn't have eight in the game, let alone eight in my whole career. And uh, but it just it, it just shows you where Kofi has come in the last two months, where. You know, the beginning of the season, uh, you know, he was, uh, you know, still getting comfortable for whatever reason. And uh, now he's playing without any hesitation. He's reacting. Uh, he's he's uh, play, playing with a whole different lo- energy level. And uh, he's just, it's, it's fun to watch him where he's at now versus where he was maybe a month ago. And he's put the work in, and, uh, and now he's got the confidence. And, it, it's, you know, at his size and strength, He's he's unstoppable. You may not have had many dunks, but he had about two thousand floor burns. That ought to count for something, right? <laughs> well, the one thing I have on Kofi is uh, you know he, he can't shoot the three. So uh, <laughs> at this point in his career, but he did make it. He did make that twelve or fifteen footer, and if he starts making that, uh, you know we're gonna put, he'll he'll be like Superman out there. He'll be unstoppable. Doug, what's it like for from your perspective of all with what this Illini team is able to accomplish this season? without fans in the stands, without the usual adrenaline rush that goes through a game in front of a packed house, or even just afterwards, you know, going out on campus, various establishments on campus, they don't have that opportunity this year because of the pandemic at all. How do you, how do you just assess that aspect when it comes to this, uh, this Illini team and what they're, what they're doing so far this season? Yeah, I, I, I felt like um, a month ago, uh, or maybe a couple of weeks ago, whatever. When they lost the two home games, they they look like sort of a, a, a tired a tired team a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think in that regard, if they would have had the fans, um, I've talked to to Brian about this. When you're down at school uh, at that time of year, there's no students there. Uh, it's cold. Um, you're practicing all day, um, and uh, you sort of uh, you know it just it just becomes a grind. At least it was for me in my career. Mm-hmm. I never liked uh, that time of part of the season. I, I felt like, you know, we were we were going through a little adversity, and um, I, and I think now um, it, it appears these guys are sort of relying on each other to uh, mo- get motivated, to to play for uh, each other, uh, to figure all that out. And I think right now they're in a good place. Um, and you know they have limited access to their family and limited access to their friends, uh, the coaching staff, and as well, everybody's telling me, hey, "Listen, you've only got so many weeks left, so you know, really uh, shelter in place." But that's hard. It's hard mentally, um, and uh, it takes a toll on you. So you could just sort of see the guys, uh, even Georgie uh, against Wisconsin and Indiana, he came in and played some tremendous minutes. Uh, he, he has a whole new energy level. He's a people person. So you could see, uh, if, for example, a guy like him where you know, he just was sort of uh, out of sync uh, in January. 
and he was trying, but he just couldn't finish. But now um, he just seems to have turned the corner. So I, I think the guys have figured out, hey, listen, you know what? Um, we, we've got to sort of basically uh, double down, you know, uh, circle the wagons, and, and we've got to play um, for each other, and we've got to play hard, and we've got to pick each other up. So uh, Brad talks about that a lot as well. Uh, you don't see it. Uh, you know, on game day, but in practice, um, he, he pushes that um, culture, and I think it's starting to permeate, and you can sort of see the guys. I mean, after the post-game show, uh, after Io gave his interview, um, Kofi was waiting for him, and, uh, you know, and out on the court, and so, you know, typically you'd have thousands of fans, you know, listen to the interview and all that. That's not going to happen, and uh, there's an example of a guys, you know, looking uh, covering each other's back. So it's it's a weird season, uh, no question about it, and uh, it's always hard in January, let alone not have any fans or anybody on campus or anything like that. But I think they've gotten through that now, and they they just seem to have uh, just a whole different uh, source of energy than they, they had like three weeks ago. Hey, Doug, and we've talked about how good Io and Kofi were uh, against Wisconsin. How important is it for someone, whether it's Trent Frazier, uh, Jordy Bashanashvili, Adam Miller, Andre Corbello, Jacob Granderson, any of those guys may, you know, to step up and be, you know, that third option, maybe on a con- more consistent basis, you know, as you know, we kind of hit the, this last month of the regular season. Yeah, I, I think I think the coaching staff went to Trent and said, Trent, hey, listen, we, we need you to score. We know you play great defense. We know, um, you know, you always are, are guarding the, the you know usually the, the toughest guard on the perimeter, um, but we we need you and um, you've got to step up. So it's been cool to watch him um, sort of come back and be the Trent Frazier that uh, you know the best part was. Uh, I don't know if necessarily Brad liked it, but I, I loved it when he hit that that jumper at at Bloomington and and yelled the word cash uh, <laughs> to the bench at IU and got the technical. I, I'm sure he didn't like the technical, but you know that's the Trent that I know. I've seen when his freshman year where he gets in the zone and he can just uh, you know gets out sort of like Michael Jordanish shooting range and just making everything from from the from the parking lot. But also I think. With Grandison coming in, um, I think he really helps uh, because he plays within himself. He's not looking to score first, uh, and he looks to make that extra pass, and he seems to complement everybody there. So he just seems to be a good fit. And I think, you know, you've had, listen, DeMonte and Trent, um, those guys, have you know, they're, they're the seniors who have come in and really changed the course of the of the program. And as a coaching staff, you, you, you want to be loyal to those guys because they they earned it and they deserve it. So I think it was with, you know, at first, you know, Brad's probably like, listen, do we really want to, uh, you know, start Grandison, you know? And, 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 I, and I think eventually it sort of happened. And, and DeMonte still plays a lot of minutes, so it doesn't really matter. And he does so many other great things. Um, and he's so mature that he can come off the bench. So all those guys have got to play a role. Georgie's got to come in and do what he's doing now, uh, you know, play with, you know, run the floor, you know, do the little things out there defensively. Uh, you know, he, he's a different animal, obviously, 
uh, than Kofi. Kofi just takes up so, so much size. So all those guys have got to play a role. And I, I think that, uh, you know, finally, uh, because we didn't really have a preseason where, you know, you could sort of bring in the new guys and guys are moving into just different uh, positions, you sort of have this uh, sort of like a honeymoon where everybody sort of works through that. We didn't have that at all, and I think eventually uh, when we got to January, some, some uh, Brad had to make some moves and changes a little bit, and and you know he uh, and I think for the better. And, and now it seems like everybody's more comfortable in their roles, and we're starting to play with them. You know, when guys come off the bench, you know Lou used to say, "Hey, I don't want you doing this. This is what I want you to do. This is what we need you to do. It's not your job to do this or that." Uh, Dion tells a great story about that. So he, you know, you've got to play to a, when you're when you're coming off the bench. There's certain things you need to do to help your team to be successful. Now Brad has great confidence after that win in, in at, at um, Indiana because those guys on the bench won that game, um, and and Io uh, was on you know it fouled out. So that's a that's a when you're driving back to 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 Champagne and and one of the bench guys, you're, you're feeling good about yourself. We did that my freshman year at Ohio State. Harper and Bruce Douglas uh, filed out, so Kevin Bontemps and I went in there in overtime, and, and we actually won the game. And, and you know, for me as a freshman, it was a big boost of confidence. So I, I think that Indiana win is it was one of those. It wasn't pretty, but from a coaching perspective, it, it was it meant a lot. And I think Brad now has a lot more confidence in his bench. Not that he didn't have it before, but you know, he said, "Hey, listen, get back in there and let's do what we did at Indiana." You know. There's something you can rely on. Talking to Doug Altenberger, you okay on time? If I take a quick break, uh, i got a couple more things I'd like to talk to you about. Is that all right with you? Sure, yeah. yeah okay, we'll take a break. Hang with us. Uh, Bob Ospuston still with us as well. Monday Night Sports Talk. We'll take that break and be back with more with Doug Altenberger after this. Moving up on 550, this is Monday Night Sports Talk on DWS. Steve Kelly, Matt Daniels, Scott Ritchie. Doug Altenberger is with us on the telephone. And Bob Osmussen as well. Go ahead, Bob. Hey, Doug. You've watched this thing for a long time. I'm wondering if you see, maybe not so much the style of play, but if you see a resemblance between the current team, I'm thinking Bill Saul's first team in Illinois. Do you see that or not? It's kind of the way they play, how well they're playing at, at this time of year. Yeah, I, I think uh, uh, in a sense, yes, that uh, they, they like to get the ball um uh, you know, in the pain area, uh, they like to what we call uh, uh, inside outside. So they like to establish um, so that screen and roll with Kofi. You know, uh, rolling hard to the basket, or maybe Io going downhill as well to the basket. Where there's, I think against Wisconsin one time in the first half, I think they scored. I think all of their baskets in the pain area except maybe a one or two. Uh, I think it was one at one time there was one shot from the three point line and maybe one just outside the lane, but the uh, they, they were just pounding the ball inside. So you know that's that's something that uh, you know the old school guys from the Big Twelve, um, like Brad comes from and playing for Jack Hartman and uh, and then once you sort of you know uh, break them down there, then you start kicking the ball outside and start dropping down those three point lines, those three pointers. And also the way we physically play, we're playing our, 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 our on-ball defense has improved dramatically. Miller has gotten a lot better. Io's taking more pride. He's got great length. So 
we're, we're not getting beat off the dribble as much, and our defense is really getting uh, is improving. Our rotations are better, um, and we're we're able to help and recover. We're getting in the right spots. So yeah, we're we're defensively we you know can continue to improve uh, like we did last year. And at the end of the year, you know Brad had said you know he felt like defensively we were one of the better teams in the country. So those those um, attributes are definitely get the ball inside, get downhill, and play great defense. Um, it reminds me of those Celts teams. Hey Doug, just. Uh couple of minutes left in this segment, but I want to ask you about something. In this week's um, AP poll, Top 25, first time since 1961 that an AP poll has not included Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Kansas, or UCLA, the Blue Bloods, so to speak. Yeah. You, think, you think the shoe contracts, the shoe deals, and that not being what it once was is affecting that at all? Steve, I'm glad you brought that up, and I think you're onto something. I've been talking about it for maybe the last three weeks, uh, where I just felt like uh, those programs had, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, what do you say? Uh, they 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 had it with the AU and the shoe companies and all that. You know, they had one step ahead of the rest of of some of the other programs, and you can see it took a little bit of time, but but that whole that whole imbalance has been blown up, and there's there's a reason. Uh, and I can't, I don't have any empirical data to back that up, but I feel strongly that that's one reason why a lot of these programs, even Indiana, are struggling because they they, you know, had these shoe companies that who sponsored them and get the especially the one and done kids. So they're they're you know Duke is in Kansas, and they're not as talented as they as they were you know, a couple of years ago, and that's because, you know, they're not able to get the premier players uh, through, uh, through, these, uh, through the shoe companies. So it's, it's definitely affected these programs, and, I, and I've, I've, I've felt that way for uh, a couple months ago, and I wasn't sure. Um, but, you know, right now I, I think it's, uh, it's, it's interesting, and I don't think it's something that, uh, again, that is uh, – I can't prove it. But no, no, no question that that uh, that whole thing being blown up has affected the big the big programs. Hey Doug, appreciate your time. We kept you longer than I said I would, but uh, we appreciate that, and uh, we'll uh, we'll all bump right, into guys. you soon. All right, all right, all right, Bob, Matt, Scott, Steber, and oh. uh, go a line out. Talk to you guys later. All right, thanks, Doug. Doug Altenberger with us on the phone. We need to take one final break here. We'll get that done before the uh, top of the hour. Stay with us. Back with more Monday Night Sports Talk after this. A couple of minutes shy of 6 o'clock here on Monday Night Sports Talk. Bob Osmussen still with us on the phone. And you want people to email you, Bob, in case they missed that earlier. Tell us more about that. Yes, please. Email me if you're a season ticket holder at Osmussen, A-S-M-U-S-S-E-N, at news-gazette.com. Easy for everybody to say. I probably get back to just a few, but if anybody wants to email me, I want to. I have simple questions for you about season tickets, whether or not you're going to going to come back, and that that kind of thing. So, all right, Bob. We'll, I'm that. That's fine, Bob. We'll look forward to that. Appreciate your time, Bob. As always. Thanks, guys. See you. Bet. Um, in case you missed it at the beginning, the next Illinois basketball game, Scott Ritchie, will be Friday night. 
8 o'clock in Lincoln, Nebraska. Isn't that Lincoln's birthday? Lincoln, you go to Lincoln, Nebraska on Lincoln's <laughs> birthday. It's only fitting that they're going to be playing <laughs> basketball then. Yeah, no, it was one of several moves, changes to the schedule for Illinois uh, in the next month, which they're going to try and squeeze in eight games. Maybe. Read, read more about it in Tuesday's News Gazette. Well, I'll try and corral the craziness. <laughs> What else are you working on, Matthew, this I week? I got Bob uh, working on some stuff about uh, some of the in-state FCS schools like Eastern Illinois and Illinois State. That uh, They're going to have spring football going on here pretty soon. So uh, I know we talked to Brock Spack at Illinois State, the head coach of the Redbirds, and Adam Cushing, the head coach of the Panthers, early today. So check that out this weekend. In the News Gazette, coming up tonight at 7 o'clock, the Brad Underwood Show. Brian Barnhart with the Illini head basketball coach. Women's head coach Nancy Fay will also be involved in that show, as will former Illini and sometimes radio analyst Trent Meacham. Not sometimes. He's, yeah, he's an analyst after the ball game. Sometimes he's on the call, too. There you go. But he needs to step in. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Steve. Monday Night Sports Talk, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. For the guys, I'm Steve Kelly. Appreciate you listening, and have a good night, everybody.